0: Wherever witches roamed, there were whispers, there were whispers. whispered rumors of devilish deeds in many forms, the prosperous farmers' cows going dry, crops failing, destructive weather, famine, or otherwise healthy children falling quickly, suspiciously ill. Those dark deeds were the handiwork of witches, that shadowy sisterhood, those night riders, those followers of Satan. Many were the spells and charms they were able to cast at their unsuspecting neighbors, some with nothing more than a glance. The dark witches' malevolent powers were the same in every era. Those practitioners of witchcraft in ancient Rome used the same methods as their sisters in medieval Europe, and their intent to sow chaos and discord were the same. The use of black magic, which was fueled by greed, envy, and sheer malevolence, Often reflected itself on those who practiced it, body and soul. Some villagers believe the hunched over crone, foul tempered and ill mannered, was a living reflection of the destructive power of the dark magic the black witch plied her trade in. And salutations to all you people out there in the rapidly warming hinterlands. It's Rock and Max, as always, and we are in a celebratory mood here at Nightmares and Daydreams, y'all. That we are, good people. And before you ask why, it's because we are stoked for this episode. You know, it's been kind of a long time coming. For sure, Rock. Continue on, good sir. You got it, Maxie. So, as always, gang, we're going to be your guys as we traverse the back alleys, secret passages, and in rat infested catacombs in search of all things paranormal. Rock ain't lying, y'all. We're going to debate and discuss
1: all things supernatural. hmm And, as we do here at Nightmares and Daydreams, we're going to have some
0: fun along the way. Stick around. Fun is important, Max. But do you want to know what's not funny? I do know for once. Wait, wait. You do? Hey, man, were you looking at my notes? Guilty. All right, Max. Tell our listeners, what is not fun? Becoming inspelled,
1: possessed, or otherwise incapacitated due to the dark powers of...
0: Witches. Man, that ain't no fun at all. You ain't lying. Max Speaks True, gang. Today we are talking about witches. Yep, and let's be honest.
1: Not all witches are bad. Nope. Some got a raw deal. Some were just healers plying their trade before the people turned on them. Mm hmm. Hedge doctors, herbalists, that sort of thing. A word. You're talking about the Salem witch trials, yeah? Exactly. It was nothing more than hysteria. 200 people were accused, 30 found guilty, 20 were executed.
0: That was some serious BS. Or Max, just playing devil's advocate here. There are just a ton of black magic practitioners in the tiny burg of Salem, Massachusetts. Am I right? Doubtful. (laughs) (laughs) Doubtful that
1: you're right. I mean, you know,
0: (laughs) people were just out of their damn minds is what it was. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was something in the water. That's why I prefer Cereza. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay, gang. So like
1: Rox said, we're going to talk about witches. We were going to do vampires, like somebody suggested.
0: Mm -hmm. But we decided to wait until Halloween to tackle that. Vampires coming in fall, gang. Have patience. And just to be clear, we're not talking about the beloved children's book by Roald Dow, also titled The Witches. Man, Max, I loved that book when I was a kid. It was pretty dark and scary, man, but I loved it. Same here. Such a fun book. Now the movies, eh, kind of another story. Well, you ask, Max, so I'll deliver <laughs> a rocks movie review for The Witches. Oh, Lord. Don't you dare start singing. <laughs> <laughs> Max, I only sing for The Witcher. We're talking about The Witches. Calm down, my man. All right, gang. So, this classic flick starred Angelica Houston as the Grand High Witch. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you mean Anne Hathaway? Max, whose review is this, son? I'm talking about the far superior and more heartfelt 1990 version of the film, as opposed to the 2020 version. My bad. I don't know what our listeners would do if you didn't review movies that were 30 years old. They'd probably make the wrong decision. Okay, y'all. So the story centers around a young boy and his grandmother who was quite witchy herself, who go on vacay to a fancy hotel only to encounter a cabal of child-hating witches who are planning to turn all the kids in the world into mice. Show is sad. <laughs> the last thing this world needs is more rodents. Of course, there's much more to it, but if that sounds like it suits your fancy, check it out. Angelica Houston is hilarious and scary as the Grand High Witch. No offense to Anne Hathaway. All right, we we're good to move on? Our listeners are satisfied that they can now make an informed decision. My work is done here.
1: So I just want to go back to our opening story for a minute Uh huh. and how the evil powers that Dark Witches used...
0: Uh, can be reflected back at their bodies. Okay, are you kind of thinking what I'm thinking in regards to that theory? Could be. Luke, I am your father. (laughs) And I'll stop breathing weird into the mic now. (laughs) I'm used to it.
1: (laughs) It's just like using the more powerful dark side of the Force ravages whoever is using it. Mm -hmm, True. All the Sith Lords were like part robots. Force lightning has its
0: price, y'all. Because let's face it, man, if they didn't have the science of Bacta and cybernetics, like all Sith Lords would be hunched over old dudes, hobbling along, force choking the hell out of everybody. Kind of like Yoda, or the more current, Baby Yoda. They do like to force choke some fools. You ready for a story? Bring it out.
1: The Witch's Garden was a dangerous, deadly, and beautiful thing. The practitioner of the black arts had a perverse understanding of nature and her cycles, and this she used to poison, maim, curse, and kill. Using the light of the full moon, she harvested her deadly crop. Witches were master poisoners, and knew which plants were best for such tasks, monkshood beautiful with lavender. Cowl-shaped flowers brought swift pain, then death soon after when ingested. Red berries of yew, so poisonous that the ground the tree shaded was barren and empty. Deadly nightshade with its black berries, henbane with its pale gray, purple-veined flowers were used to create tinctures that brought on nightmarish visions, which, if not countered by the powers of a white witch, would lead to insanity. Henbane was also said to enable the witch to conjure spirits and enhance her clairvoyance. From hemlock, dripped a liquid so powerful it could make a man impotent. And from the rose, a potion could be made that would trap a hesitant lover. Even bees, those masters of pollination, that flitted about the witch's garden served her whims as well, for they made the wax from which she molded the images of those she wished to curse. For flight, which is used a special ointment, which according to the lore consisted of a host of terrible ingredients such as human fat and wolfsbane. Other flowers such as whitewater lilies, hemlock, foil, and the thorn apple were sometimes added to the arcane mixture for added strength. While nature knew neither good nor evil, evil intentions resulted in evil deeds, and witches, those mistresses of black magic, used their gardens with deadly precision in their mission to sow chaos and darkness in the ancient world.
0: So the witch, in addition to perhaps even having to sell her soul to the devil for her powers, had to garden? Oh hell no, that's too much trouble. I don't mind gardening, getting my hands dirty, working the earth. Right, right. I'll mow the lawn, and that's about as far as I go. Now, the wife, she loves to garden. She could be a witch. Are you wearing your holy metal? Every day, son. That's yes, what's up? All right. And all kidding aside, you know, like, how many people have been accused of witchery or witchcraft just because they perhaps had a garden that some people thought, shall we say, was suspect, you know, with flowers growing in them that were beautiful yet deadly, like herbs that might alter your perception of reality which is a billion dollar business today let's get legal texas come on (laughs) amen so yeah like what do you think max that's what i'm talking about people just kind of growing some plants or herbs in their gardens that you know most folks don't grow and next thing you know you're being accused of being a witch i bet that happened a ton of times during the witch trials during the middle ages I'd wager it happened more times than we could count. Mm, Sad. Like the village herbalist doing their thing,
1: growing a garden to help people. Then the witch hysteria hits. They're accused of being a witch, and next thing they know, they're in jail, awaiting a sham trial. Absolutely, man. Horrible. And if you were alone... Old. ...had a few animals for companions... Yeah. ...and lived on the boundaries of polite society... I mean, you could see how people would jump to conclusions.
0: I mean... I wouldn't jump to that conclusion, but... Well, you're kind of a nice guy. Unless you're playing a chaotic evil character in D&D. Then we got to watch out for you. Practical evil. Chaotic practical. (laughs) You can see how people
1: of that age might automatically assume that this person with nightshade... Yeah. Roses, henbane, foxglove, or whatever, growing in her garden, might
0: be looked upon with suspicion. True, you know, but also these individuals were often looked to for healing when people or animals got sick. And people would often nickname them these, like, wise women. Something like Mother Leeds or something along those lines. Some sort of an affectionate nickname.
1: I see what you did
0: there. (laughs) what's that? Mother
1: Leeds, that's part of Jersey Devil lore.
0: Ah, you caught that? That's literally a podcast for another day.
1: Well done. We definitely need to head down to the Pine Barrens and give our take on that legend.
0: Oh, yeah, we do. Be patient, awesome listeners. It's coming.
1: So, I'd like to get into spells. All right, lead on, my man. So, according to the lore, belief is an imperative for some spells to be effective. Charles Godfrey Leland, a researcher into witchcraft, said this in regards to spells. The success of such charms depends chiefly on the seriousness or earnestness with which they are pronounced. When the witch utters them to herself or for another... She does it with an air of terrible vindictiveness, such as would cause anyone to
0: shudder. That's some wicked stuff right there. I can see some angry-ass person shouting the spell, kind of all heavy metal, just picturing <laughs> whomever they're cursing, you know, just getting it out, just kind of gnarly, wishing all that ill will towards someone. That's kind of scary. Hate is gonna hate. Exactly, haters will hate. It's like, you gotta believe in this stuff for it to work. Like Chris Sarandon says in Fright Night, you have to have faith for this to work on me. Stay on the subject, Max. We're doing vampires this Halloween season, remember? I know. But yeah, you know, you can't go into these kind of spellcasting situations half-assed. Well, I hope this works. You gotta be steadfast in your belief, for good or ill, at least according to the lore. According to the lore, yeah, you're correct. So you got any spells for us? Me? ain't nobody else i'm talking to player <laughs> what you want to be rich handsome better tennis player i'm already a good tennis player and uh <laughs> well hey my wife thinks so when that's all that matters. <laughs> you wish hey max so being rich can be helpful or so i've read same here I mean, dude, you have two libraries in your house and a room <laughs> just for D and D. I'd say that's rich. Share the wealth. Look at you diving in gold coins like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Show us sad you ain't sharing the wealth with your boy Maxie. I think you misunderstood me when I we were talking about this on our holiday freestyle episode. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. All right, gang. So let's get cliched. Max, how would one get some extra cash?
1: All right, let's see. Also, here's our disclaimer. We're not witches, warlocks, or any sort of practitioner. We're just reciting spells we've come across, so best of luck in getting the Lottery Labrador to visit you.
0: Dear sweet, sweet Lottery Labrador, so beautiful, golden, and oh so bouncy with your sweet puppy (laughs) breath, even though you're a full-fledged canine, please come to our house and drop your bags of solid gold treaties on our doorstep ASAP because Daddy needs some new boots and wants an electric car for the wife.
1: And that's Rock's way of beseeching the Lottery Labrador to drop golden treats on his doorstep. It works every time. See you soon, Lottery Lab. Okay, here's a spell to, quote-unquote, have money always. Well, that's pretty helpful. It's a Gaelic charm, and it goes like this. Translated into English, of course. hmm To have money always, first kill a black rooster. Then, after nightfall... Go to the meeting of three crossroads where a murderer is buried. Sounds like a very specific place. Throw the dead bird over your left shoulder, then and there, in the name of the devil, holding a piece of money in your hand all the while. And ever after, no matter what you spend, you will always find the same piece of money undiminished in your pocket.
0: Okay, two things. What if the most money you have at that time is a fiver? You're just going to wake up every day with a fiver in your pocket? Dude, you got to plan ahead. That ain't no good. Second, bruh. Why the devil got to get involved?
1: That's how he rolls, man. Old Scratch wants in on the action.
0: Always does.
1: I mean, you maybe could substitute Hecate or Isis or your deity of
0: choice, I guess, but... Hmm thor <laughs> also max like that is the exact same spell that tom hanks must have cast tom hanks yeah man you've seen the classic movie mazes and monsters starring a young tom hanks have you not
1: yes and you're not doing another movie review <laughs> besides
0: that's a pretty bad movie that's just like your opinion man it's dnd phobic that's true but what about tom hanks spell so, remember, at the end, after he goes insane... Spoiler right there. Yeah. See what happens when I don't review movies? I just spoil them all. My bad. <laughs> my bad. So, anyways, he goes on about a magic gold coin that always reappears no matter how many time he spends it. Same spell, baby. Tom Hanks is wise. He's also big. That's a horrible joke. <laughs> the only thing that can save us is another story. Yes, please. Yes, please.
1: First seen in a Swiss manuscript in the 15th century, the now familiar image of a witch astride a broom and flying through the night is literally inseparable from the present-day iconic image of the witch herself. From the Wicked Witch of the West to the Sorcerer's Apprentice, brooms are intrinsically linked to practitioners of magic. The manuscript, written by Martin Lefranc, is called Champion des Dames, or The Champion of Women, And even though this might have been the first sighting of the high-flying witch, the connection between brooms and enchantment are much older. Ancient midwives used brooms to sweep the doorways of women about to give birth. They believed this swept the room of evil spirits that might harm mother and child. Brooms were also used to seal marriages with both bride and groom jumping the broom, solidifying their sacred union Present-day witches leap across a broom as part of a Wiccan marriage ceremony called hand-fasting. The broom, long a pagan symbol of power, became something of a target for Christian witch-hunters. In 1598, Claudine Bobin claimed that both she and her mother mounted a bassam, a bundle of twigs tied about a stout pole, and that flying out of the chimney, they were thus borne through the air to the Sabbat. Although witch hunters often placed images of witchery and infernal associations into their victim's head, the flying broom was not widely cited during the witch trials. That said, the image and concept took firm root and is now rare to think of a witch without a broom, a wash in magical ointments soaring through the night skies.
0: Love it. Mm -hmm.
1: And right off the bat, I'm going to give a shout out to one of my favorite broom-riding witches of all time. And who is that? Kiki from the Studio Ghibli Uh,
0: classic Kiki's Delivery Service. We love us some Kiki. Word on that. We love us some Gigi, too. True. He's her black cat bestie. Best familiar ever. Gigi keeps her out of trouble, well, for the most part. Gang, if y'all haven't seen Kiki's delivery service, you gotta check it out. You'll love it. And yeah, Kiki is the best witch ever.
1: She's a good flyer, and that's about all she does. Yeah, true. Well, she bakes, too. <laughs> no potions, no spells.
0: Yo, she delivers goods, Max. You know how you feel when you get a delivery, son? It's magical. Fair enough. Okay, so you brought up Gigi, her black cat familiar.
1: Let's get into the animal companions of witches, shall we? Ah, uh, yes. Familiars. Just so our listeners
0: know, what's a familiar, Rock? Okay, so according to the Wikipedia, familiars were believed to be supernatural entities that would assist witches and cunning folk in the practice of magic. That sums it up pretty nicely. So while toads, ferrets, rabbits, frogs, crows, and owls were also thought to be suitable familiars, I think we can all agree that the cat is often most regarded as the witch's BFF. I don't know. I think a toad familiar is pretty wicked, and it gives you plus two constitution. <laughs> For the dwarf <laughs> practitioners of magic, that's plus four con. That's pretty good. <laughs> Agreed, Max, but we're talking about the iconic familiar, and the cat is at the top of the list. No contest. You talked about Kiki earlier, and Gigi is her black cat bestie, so enough said. Fair enough. And cats throughout history have been regarded as supernatural. Totally, man. The ancient Egyptians used to worship them and so entrenched was their worship and veneration of cats that there's a story of a Roman in Egypt who killed a cat and was slain by an angry mob in his home. In fact, ancient Egypt was home to many cat cemeteries where literally hundreds of thousands of cat mummies have been discovered. Damn. And you know, along with those cat mummies, they found mouse mummies, (laughs) you know, so the cats
1: had food in the afterlife. The ancient Egyptians were for real as far as prepping the departed for afterlife.
0: They even packed you snacks. So, what were some of the jobs of the familiar, Max, according to the lore? They filled many roles. From
1: trusted companion to advisor to assistant in casting spells to spies. some case, even assassins. Cats would be great spies. As would crows or owls or anything that flies, man. True. Having those
0: eyes in the sky is a huge advantage. Spying on neighbors, you know what I'm saying? I wonder, yep, I wonder if the witch could see through her familiar's eyes. Just like Beastmaster, baby. Mark Singer in the house. <laughs> Beastmaster, settle down. 80s classic, man. Respect. So, I don't really want to get into the witch trials that raged through Europe. Yeah, I mean, those kind of sucked. <laughs> and, you know, what happened in Salem was nothing compared to what went on in Europe. In Germany, especially. Totally. You know, but I do want to touch real quick on the Malleus Maleficarum. You want to talk about evil books? That's one. You know, the famed Necronomicon is less evil than the Malleus Maleficarum. Well, the Necronomicon is not technically real. Blasphemy. And
1: the Malleus Maleficarum is.
0: Max, 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 you obviously haven't seen any of the Evil Dead movies or Army of Darkness. The Book of the Dead is the focal point of those classic horror flicks. Obviously, the Necronomicon is real. Right, if you insist. I do. And just so our listeners know, what does the Malleus Maleficarum translate to? Translates to Witch's Hammer or Hammer of Witches. That tells you a lot about this tome right there. So the Malleus Maleficarum was authored by two Dominican monks. Uh, One dude was named Jakob Sprenger and the other Heinrich Kramer. Now, both of these guys were chief inquisitors of Germany.
1: I feel like those guys... With publishing the Malleus Maleficarum were the sparks
0: that started the powder keg of... Totally. ...of witch hunts and trials in Germany at the time. You're absolutely right, man. Its publication literally, according to the lore, opened the floodgates for all the madness that went on during that time. And when was it published? 1486, as near as we can tell. So it's basically a handbook in how to recognize
1: witchcraft, how to capture witches, which torture to use to gain confession...
0: Which questions to ask, so on. Literally, man, one of the most evil books ever written. All right, man, so uh are you ready to move on? How about a story? Just cause you asked so nicely. The village of Fradham in western Cornwall had become a battleground. There, in the small hamlet, the forces of good and evil vied for the very soul of its inhabitants. In the dilapidated, tumble-down house, the Witch of Frodom plied her dark trade. Village mothers averted their eyes and grabbed their children and hurried past it when oily, noxious smoke curled out of the small chimney. The whispers would begin. The Witch of Frodom was in her kitchen. Her rival, a wizard, high-born and learned, and a worker of white magic, made it his business to undo all of her work. If she sickened an infant in the village, he cured it. When she disfigured a local hunter with her evil eye, he restored it with a charm. And when she bewitched herself into a hare to steal milk from a local farmer, he transformed himself into a fox, swift and silent, to keep her away from the farmer's barn. At every turn, the witch's hellborn powers clashed against the wizard's white magic, and it was found wanting. And so she sought an ally... As the tide ran out of Kenan's Cove, she kneeled at a space in between high and low tide, that in-between place, and she summoned a demon with the whisper of its infernal name. The creature rose slowly from the wet sand in front of her, its red skin hissing as the water rolled off of it. Why have you summoned me? It hissed. She told of her predicament and offered her soul so that she might have power over the meddlesome wizard. The demon scoffed, letting her know her tarnished soul was no prize. But it could not stand goodness, and offered her a solution, if she was clever enough to use it. He gave her the recipe for a hellish brew that would enslave anyone it touched. She quickly hurried home, and in her smoke-stained kitchen, she fired off her cauldron and mixed the ingredients that the demon said could ensnare her rival. Once done, she quickly brewed another potion, A dilution of deadly nightshade in a bucket beside her bubbling cauldron. The next night, she skulked through the lanes of Fradham to a well-known crossroads she knew her rival must pass. She placed the bucket of poisonous water in the middle of the road, where a hot, tired horse might be tempted to drink. She crouched in the ditch, her cauldron next to her, and chuckled at the cleverness of her plan. The wizard's mount would drink deeply of the poison water and, in her panic, throw her master off, making him an easy target for the Witch of Frodom to douse with the cauldron's contents as he lay stunned and helpless on the road. Distant hoofbeats brought her out of her reverie. She sank deeper into the ditch, hidden by the tall grasses. Surprised by the bucket in the middle of the road, the wizard's horse shied and reared, but the wizard's reassuring hand calmed the beast. The witch held her breath as the pair, horse and rider, regarded the strange brew. Casually, the wizard leaned in and whispered in the horse's ear. The beast seemed to nod its large head and walked forward slowly, seemingly intent to take the bait the witch had laid out for it. She hissed, her eyes widening as the horse dipped its head to drink. Instantly, the animal turned and struck the bucket, which flew directly at the witch and struck the cauldron at her feet, splashing the hellish brew all over her. The wizard watched impassively as a whirlwind suddenly descended from the night sky, and at the head of the storm was the demon from Kenans Cove, lashing the storm to greater fury. The witch of Frotham howled as the winds engulfed her, ripping the crone from the earth as she drifted up and out of sight. The wizard gave a triumphant laugh and spurred his horse homeward. From that night on, when storms raged against the coast, he saw the Witch of Fradim aloft in the clouds stirring up the storm and sea below her. From his turret he had but to shout a word of power to watch the storm die down as his defeated rival deferred to his superior force. Damn, that wizard was no joke. All Gandalf and stuff. Dude, weatherworking is some high-level magic, according to the lore. But it does seem to be in the toolbox of many practitioners of black magic of that era. Witches and
1: wizards, going at it. Tale as
0: old as time. Song as old as
1: rhyme. Come on, man. At least sing sing something from Wicked, (laughs) right?
0: Alfaba, the Wicked Witch of the West. Now that was a great literary witch. I've only seen Wicked once, Maxie, so I have to check it out again. Well, gang, with that last bit of lore, I believe we are done. And we've only literally scratched the surface of this enormous topic. So we may have to revisit. For sure. So many witches
1: to talk about. Cersei, Medea, Marjorie Kemp, Morgan Le Fay.
0: mom. (laughs) But for now, gang, thanks for hanging out with Max and myself during these trying times. It's much appreciated. And like we say, we can even take your mind off for a second versus all the wacky stuff going on. Then our mission is accomplished. 100% Rock. If you find folks want to support the podcast, head on over to
1: buymeacoffee.com and search Nightmares Podcast for a delicious one-time donation. So delicious.
0: So Rock and I can maintain our caffeine addiction. It's very much appreciated. We love it. And guys, uh, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash nightmares podcast. Uh, We continually add new stuff. We have different tiers and it starts at a buck a month for a shout out and you can cancel any time. We've added Rock's Relaxing Reads, more Max's myth, and additional music by the great and powerful Teresa Joy. Speaking of the best part in the business, Teresa Joy gives us that amazing sound so many of you have
1: commented on. Find and follow her at Viobright on Facebook and Instagram. Mm
0: -hmm. And check out her own website at TeresaJoyMusic.com. And guys, we will continue to ask you for this, but please head on over to whatever podcast you listen to us on and grant us that boon of the five-star review or do us one better and take the time out to write a review. And also the best way to help us get out there is by sharing our podcast. It costs you nothing and it really helps us out a ton. So thanks in advance, y'all.
1: Word of mouth. Helps us. Mm -hmm. Also, don't forget to join us on all the social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All that. We love to hear
0: from y'all. We love it. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of. Yeah, give us some ideas, gang. We're always open to uh, new episodes. And, you know, finally, head on over to our own damn website at NightmaresPodcast.net and holler at your boys, because as we say, we'd love to hear from you. For sure, Rock. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, be good to each other and... Sweet dreams, sweet dreams, sweet dreams, sweet dreams, sweet dreams.